All right, take your seats, everyone. This time we're talking about the reasons why we say yes. Take your seats, please. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast, which is a deep dive into how to create a healthy mindset, sustainable habits, and a lifestyle that you love. My name is Brock Armstrong. And I'm Monica Reinagel. Welcome. You know, when we're trying to change an unwanted behavior, that's often the change that we're working on, Mm -hmm. we sometimes get so focused on trying to find ways to say no, try to get better at saying no to whatever that is, that we miss a very important step. And that is to understand why we say yes to it in the first place. Now, of course, learning how to say no, getting better at saying no, that's a valuable skill. And we'll promise to come back to that in a future episode. But in this episode, we want to zero in on understanding why we say yes, because this can ultimately be even more important or at least more effective than just trying to get better at saying no to ourselves. Right. And you may be kind of scratching your head right now thinking, what does that mean? But believe us, (laughs) we will get into it. You'll totally understand it by the end of this episode. So don't worry. But before we get into that, as always, we like to take a moment to tackle something that we're working on or something that one of the people that we coach is working on or somebody out there in listening land has been working on. And one of the people that we're coaching has been working on not eating so many sweets or treats, <laughs> very specifically, because overindulging in these treats is really, she feels like it's really derailing her efforts to maintain a healthy body weight. And she wrote to us, here's a little snippet of what she wrote. After I listened to the Change Academy episode about breaking highly rewarding habits, I made a list of activities that are rewarding and bring me pleasure, which is awesome. I'm so glad that she took the steps to do that. And she went on to put an X beside the things that were mainly about eating. Now, and she clarified that this is not because they're bad, quote unquote bad, but to take them out of focus for herself. And she also put a check mark beside the things that she can do instead. Things like yoga, going for a walk, listening to a podcast, soaking in a hot tub, uh, listening to upbeat music, scrapbooking, reading, cuddling with cats, all those wonderful things. But these don't feel like treats to me yet, is how she finished her note to us. (laughs) So, yeah... Yeah, I mean, and I feel for her. I mean, I can see that she's struggling here. And isn't that interesting when she was making her list of alternate treats, non-food treats? I was like, yeah, soak in a hot tub. That sounds great. (laughs) Cuddle with the cats. It sounded like such a nice list of treats, but it didn't feel like treats to her. And sometimes I think we get into the habit of associating treats with something that's bad or mm. naughty, something mm-hmm. that we shouldn't have. You know, the, the fact that we are breaking the rules or getting away with something. Yeah, somehow it makes it a little bit extra appealing or attractive. And that reminded me of a study that I came across a year or so ago in Frontiers in Psychology. And in this study, they interviewed a bunch of people who were overweight, specifically about their attitudes towards self-care and self-kindness. Mm. And when they asked them about self-care, the subjects mentioned things like going out in nature or taking a bath or setting aside time to read or visit with a friend, very much like the list our friend made. Yeah, sound familiar. And as long as it didn't involve food, they were very comfortable identifying those activities as self-care. But they were very unwilling to see choosing healthy foods or exercising as a way of exercising self-care. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. They saw those things as something that they should be doing anyway. 
And therefore, mm. they didn't count those as self-care. So it was more like a, a duty. Obligation. Yes. Yeah. And so they just didn't even put it in the same category as self-care or, or they didn't think of those things as something they were doing to be kind to themselves. And the researchers go on and explain that the subjects seem to be actually really uncomfortable talking about ways that they were kind to themselves because they seem to equate being kind to themselves with indulging themselves, with being self-indulgent. Yeah. And they saw that, of course, as a negative trait. It's a really interesting observation. And it makes me feel like if if we can come to see making healthy food and movement choices as a way of showing ourselves kindness instead of, like you said, just an obligation that we either are or are not fulfilling, maybe we're failing to do that, then you know maybe that notion of self-kindness wouldn't feel so self-indulgent and dangerous in some way. And maybe it would also help break this association between treats and things that aren't good for us, because I'm not sure that that's really right. serving us. Right. And those are the things that we end up turning to when we're in like really stressful situations or we're feeling overwhelmed or whatever. We actually gravitate towards these things that are more like forbidden fruits. <laughs> and like you find, we hear this time and time again, like I was so stressed out, all I could do was stop and get some McDonald's or something on the way home from work. And <laughs> Wait, it's like, how can I make a bad situation even worse? Yeah. So maybe <laughs> if like you were saying, if we can start seeing these as actually being self-care that actually prepares us to be more resilient and actually handle the stress and the overwhelm and stuff more, more effectively, then maybe we won't completely derail our efforts for whatever it happens to be in this case, help maintaining a healthy body weight. But we can actually like set ourselves up for success rather than derailing ourselves further. Absolutely. But it certainly remains true that, you know, we do have to learn how to say no to ourselves sometimes. Yeah, learning to say no to the decisions that we're presented with on a very regular basis, which may lead us away from our desired outcome, is a very, very <laughs> important and great skill to have. And it's also one that takes a lot of practice. And we, we've talked about that in the past, that you can't just do something once or twice and think that it's going to become the automatic reaction. We default to the things that we've done more often. So taking Time to practice saying no to those things is is definitely uh, an important skill to have. And also becoming aware of making those decisions to say no is another one of the skills that we do uh, we do need to to encourage and and practice as well. Now, this is actually quite similar to something that we talked about way back. It's funny, we can actually say way back now. We've been doing this show long <laughs> enough. Feels like it's still brand new, but way back in episode 13, uh, we did an episode called Make Not Quitting a Habit. And this is pretty similar. This idea is pretty similar to what we talked about in that episode. But the problem is that this kind of forced abstinence all by itself without any other sort of work done around it doesn't actually help you change your relationship with that undesired habit. Mm, it just kind of suppresses it, right. just kind of pushes it underground. Right. You're just restricting yourself from getting something that you think you desire. And we know what happens when we do that, especially to our yeah. inner toddler. Yeah, often that backfires, you know, you just push it underground. You know, there's a great image that if you hold a beach ball underwater, you know, the farther you push it under, the the more force it uh, it is exerting upwards. Right. And so often just forcing yourself to abstain from something that you think you want 
leads to like real rebellion. Yeah, and I brought up the the inner toddler. I'm not sure if we've discussed that recently on this podcast, but we often talk about our inner toddler sort of being the the one that's like, "No, I want it now." I think it's pretty obvious what what that is, but those are the the rebellious part of us that can really pop up in these situations. Well, yeah, and just forcing yourself to say no to something that you want is also just an exercise of willpower. Mm-hmm. And although we can start to create new habits, we can get better at it with uh, with practice. You know, it is an awfully big job to rely on willpower alone to to forever change our, our behavior. I think, you know, what we want to get at today is another step that we want to take to, as you said, like change our relationship with that behavior, not just our response to the to the urge. Yeah. Even my inner stoic knows that I can't, <laughs> can't just keep saying no forever. And then if we do keep saying no off over and over again, we often end up feeling really deprived. And then we start to feel sad about it and we feel hard done by. And that I think right there, if we get to that point, that is the cue that we really need to spend a little more time. We need to do some deep work on this particular behavior if we want to change it in the long term. And that's where this whole idea, the whole idea for this episode of looking at the reasons why we say yes to that behavior in the first place really becomes a valuable tool. I think this is such an important part because when we are trying to rid ourselves of a behavior that we don't like or we don't want or it's not serving us, whatever it is, when we want to be rid of it so badly, often we're not willing to admit to ourselves what we actually get out of it. Mm. We just focus on all the ways in which it's bad for us. And then we hope that we can just kind of scare ourselves or Or shame shame ourselves ourselves, maybe yeah. yeah, into abstinence just because it's such an awful thing that we want or that we do. And then, of course, if we don't succeed, that makes us feel even worse, mm-hmm. you know, because we've uh, because we've been so focused on all the reasons we shouldn't do this and why it's bad for us. But look, if if we didn't get anything positive out of it, we wouldn't do it. Right. And I think that being willing to look more closely at what we do get out of an unwanted behavior can give us some really useful information. Yeah, actually, something that you said just a little while back reminded me of the whole idea of self-sabotage. A lot of people are talk about like, I don't know why, but I just always seem to sabotage my efforts. I get to a certain place and I sabotage myself. And I think this is exactly the crux. So you've denied yourself, you denied yourself, you denied yourself. You have that inner rebellion, you sabotage yourself, and then you you go back to whatever the previous behavior was. And, and this, I think, can really be an antidote to that. You're absolutely right. Well, and admit that a, that a so quote unquote bad behavior may actually have a good side. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I went through this sort of exercise. If, if you've been a long term listener back in October, I decided to do the sober October challenge where you don't drink, obviously, for the month of October. So 31 days of, of not drinking. But as you may remember, the episode that we released during that time, which was all about how these temporary interventions don't necessarily result in long term change, I wanted to take it to the next level, which was to really do an exercise and make some sort of a a meaningful thing out of it rather than just seeing if I could <laughs> abstain for 31 days and then patting myself on the back and going back to the previous behavior. So what I did was I sat down with an actual 
piece of paper and a pen. Can you believe it? I'm the <laughs> I'm the digital notes guy. Not your notes app. <laughs> I decided I was really going to do it. My handwriting is atrocious, by the way, which is one of the reasons why I like to type. But in any case, I sat down with a pen and paper and I made myself a list of sort of three categories of things. And the first one, um, I actually have come to to call them my permission slips. Hmm. You remember back in school, you'd get a permission slip to yeah. like go and, and do something. And I sort of think of the the stories that we tell ourselves or the the permissions that we give ourselves to indulge in these behaviors, kind of kind of like having permission slips. It's like, which one am I going to pull out today to justify, mm-hmm. in this case, having a, a drink? And so I made a list of the stories I tell myself or my permission slips. I made a list of the stories I don't tell myself and uh, now we'll get a little more clear on that and then I made a list of the stories that I have about other people or the way that I view other people who exhibit this behavior and and um, I'm gonna get a little personal here so don't hold these against me but this was this was my list so the stories that I tell myself about drinking are I'm a cool guy who appreciates the craftsmanship put into good beers. <laughs> I think a lot of people can probably identify with that one. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a cool guy with cool interests. <laughs> so that was one of my permission slips. Another one was that knowing about local craft beers makes me interesting and makes me more likable. Well, and you do know an astonishing amount <laughs> about very small craft beers. I. Personally, I was very impressed last time we were out drinking craft beers together, (laughs) (laughs) which was a while ago, just quite a while ago. (laughs) And then uh, next on my list was that I can, quote unquote, get away with drinking because I live an otherwise healthy lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Boy, do I know that one. Yeah. I mean, I don't indulge in all these other things, so eh, I can have a drink. And then the final thing on the list of my permission slips was I'm an adult and adults drink when they want. That's right. And they do. It's true. So then (laughs) then I got into the stories I don't tell myself. And this was more sort of looking at why people choose to drink and what society says about people who choose to drink maybe more than they should. And I thought it was important to list these for myself, mostly because they almost fell into my permission slip category because I don't adhere to them. Does that make sense? So Wait, it almost... No, <laughs> I was following you right up until then. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I thought it they added more clarity was because I think we can get really hung up on what society tells us or what other people say about why they drink. And if we don't adhere to them, like in my case, I, I've heard people say like, yeah, I'm funnier and more fun when I drink. And, you know, I don't think that about myself. I think I'm pretty funny and pretty fun without drinking. So that almost became a permission for me because I don't believe in that. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So then then another one of the reasons that you hear people say is I need a drink to relax and loosen up in social situations. But I love mm-hmm. social situations. I'm I think I'm more <laughs> at ease around people than I am by myself. So again, acknowledging the fact that that wasn't something that I actually believe about myself just gave me more clarity on on what I actually am telling myself. Right. So it's kind of like I'm not drinking for any of the wrong reasons. So that's another reason to go ahead and have a drink. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And then finally, and and this was the the one that took me a little bit longer to to figure out for myself was the stories that I have about other people who drink or it doesn't have to be about drinking, of course. This is just the example, but 
I realized that I actually have a really unfair and unjustified bias against people who don't seem to have control over their drinking. And in fact, I hold people who have quit drinking or abstain from it most of the time in higher esteem. And when I looked into that, when I used sort of the, the five why approach to, to figuring out why I believe that, it really does come down to some beliefs that were passed on to me when I was much younger about some people in my sort of immediate family and and stuff. So, so this belief isn't even my belief in the end. It was just something that has been instilled in me and I still held on to it, which was giving me some of that guilt and some of that shame. And so it really became something that was forbidden fruit or naughty to do, which of course makes it somewhat more desirable as a, as a treat. So you did this exercise at the beginning of your sober October um, adventure in order to get a little bit more clarity on why you say yes to drinking when you do. Of course, during this period you weren't. So how did you use that then during your, your 30 day challenge? what did you do with that information? How did it affect, did it make it easier for you perhaps to say no during that month? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea is that what drives this type of behavior is really just habit. Like it's just the stuff that we've done over and over again. And without taking these steps to really figure out what this is. And when you say habit, you mean thought habits, not just yeah. behavioral habits, but but habitual thought patterns. Well, they all go together. We don't do yeah. we don't yeah. act on a behavior if we don't have a thought about it first or or an emotion. But we t- we pay attention to our behaviors. Often we completely ignore the thoughts that are driving them. Right. Perfect. That's that's exactly what I'm getting at here is so those two sort of problems that we can have is the the first one is that you actually have no idea what those thought patterns are. Mm-hmm. So you're just acting on habit and and just sort of blindly going through through life and and hoping that you're going to be able to just change it out of sheer willpower. I guess that comes back right. to our just saying no. And the second one is if you are aware of these thoughts, then but you have no idea how to actually deal with them or, or change them or address them, then you're you're still stuck either way. You either are just blindly going through life or you're just like, well, I know these things, but I'm not really sure what to do with them. So, so you can think of this as the first step in being able to make some changes based on the things that you discovered by actually putting them down on paper and seeing them in front of you so you can really acknowledge them and and use them in your change. Well, certainly if you uncover beliefs that you can then test and discover are not actually true, or in your case, you know, are not actually your beliefs, but ones that you just kind of absorbed from people around you, that certainly gives you a powerful new handle on that. Or just not that important too. Yeah. Like the, how, how much importance can I really put on the idea that I'm a cool guy who knows a lot about right. craft beer? Like sometimes that's yeah. going to be like, I'll be like, yeah, I'm okay with that. But when, when I'm actually wrestling with it and I remember it's like, well, is that really that important right now? I'm, I'm actually pretty focused on like, I don't know what, losing some weight or being a little more sharp first things in the morning or whatever it happens to be. Then you can weigh those two things against each other rather than just yeah. this blindly trying to trying to say no. Yeah. So let me see if I kind of get in the whole gestalt of this. So let's say I'm really struggling to say no to sweet treats because I don't want the consequences of overeating all of that sugar. And so I'm focusing on all of the negative things, all the ways sugar is bad for me. And by extension, how dumb or soft-willed I must be to continue to do something so <laughs> bad for me. But I'm overlooking the fact that at some level, I'm getting something. 
out of eating sweet foods. And, and some of that may just be my beliefs. I may believe that eating that sweet treat is going to make me feel happy mm. or reduce my stress or make me less bored or, or even just make me feel free, you know, yeah. <laughs> free to eat sweet treats. So if I realize what I'm actually getting or what I think I'm getting out of those treats, well, first of all, I'm going to feel a little bit less weak for wanting them in the first place. Mm, Cause yeah. you know, who wouldn't want to feel more happy or less stressed? Like that doesn't seem ridiculous. But I think more importantly, by identifying the benefits that I think I'm getting out of that, I can check to see if I really am getting those benefits. Mm. And then much like our, our uh, client uh, then proceeded, I can ask myself, how else might I be able to get those same benefits? But of course, all of that is unavailable to us if the thoughts that are driving the behavior are below the surface and not available to us. Yeah, I think the only thing that I would add to that is the the ability to actually weigh the the benefit versus mm-hmm. the the habit. Sometimes the habit will win out even once you've gone through the through the list of things. Like I said, like is it really that important to me that I'm knowledgeable about this particular craft beer? Well, yeah, today it is. And that's okay if you're making that decision with the evidence and with the information. If you're just making that decision blindly, then it can it's not very helpful. But sometimes yeah. choosing the habit is is okay too. Sure. Yeah, you might not come the the equation may not add up the same way every single time, but at least you're working with actual numbers. <laughs> right. Right. So, to clarify this a little more, here are the takeaways that I think are important from from our discussion so far. There are times when simply getting better at saying no to yourself or saying no to your inner toddler is the perfect thing to practice. Yeah. But when saying no becomes unsustainable and you find yourself rebelling more often than you're succeeding, well, it's time to take a closer look at some of those beliefs. And the reasons that we give ourselves for choosing an undesired behavior are often rooted in some cognitive distortions, or at least some wishful thinking. Yeah. And finally, by identifying why we say yes to something that we should say no to, or vice versa, we can start to dismantle our faulty thinking and develop the skills to actually stay on track with ease as well. Or at least a little more ease. A little more ease, sure. (laughs) I'll I'll settle for that. All right, well, here's your lab experiment for this episode. And it's similar to what Brock did for his Sober October experiment. We want you to think about the reasons why you are saying yes to a certain behavior. And then make a list of what you think this behavior gives you or how it benefits you. And this is basically a list of your personal permission slips. Think as well about the reasons that others might give for why people would want to indulge in or abstain from this behavior. These could be friends, media, society, the teacher in Charlie Brown. (laughs) And then finally, give a little thought to how you feel about others who exhibit this particular behavior. And then reflect on how you feel about this behavior now that you've taken some time to understand it from a couple of different angles. And you might want to keep that list handy for the next time that you feel like just saying no isn't going to quite cut it. You know, I have to say the number one part of this of just making the list of your your permission slips was kind of fun. Yeah. I actually kind of enjoyed that. But getting to number three actually got kind of painful. Hmm. So so just a, a warning to everybody out there. 
be ready to to get raw in in number three for it to really be effective. I think you need to need to strip away some of those defenses. Yeah, and be gentle with yourself. Yeah, we're all works in progress. Right. And speaking of works in progress, make sure you go to changeacademypodcast.com where we have our brand new lab notebook for download. And if you go to the the homepage, there's a little button just a little ways down. You may have to scroll down, but on the right-hand side, there's sort of a flashing icon. I think it'll really help you with with your work here. So give it a try and let us know what you think. And of course, once you've done that, drop us a note any way you like, whether it's on social media, we're Change ACPOD on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, or you can email us at hello at changeacademypodcast.com and let us know what you're working on and how we can help. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time on the Change Academy podcast. Yeah, da, 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 da. <laughs>